You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A couple of days ago, I got a very interesting email from a guy who listens and said, can you guys at some point discuss these rule changes, which we haven't mentioned that much during this offseason, but they're very significant and how they may impact the Mets in a positive or negative way. I think it's a great idea. There's a lot of rule changes, so we'll deal with one at a time. So for today's episode, we'll get into the uh, the pitch clock. We'll get into the shift at a later episode. We'll get into the bigger bases. We'll get into that other stuff. But the pitch clock is one thing, and I think it's the mo- most significant change in baseball in terms of just the speed of the game. I mean, obviously the game is going to speed up in a big, big way. And it's something I've always had a passion for because over the last, I'd say five years, I've DVR'd games more than ever. Really over the last five to 10 years. And it's increased even more in doing afternoon shows because I get home. I'm not home in time to start a game. It would, if I did, I'd I'd miss the first three or four innings. I'm the kind of fan that wants to watch every pitch. So I eat dinner. I talk to my wife. I start the game late. I've talked about that a lot. But a part of DVRing games has allowed me to see firsthand how long it takes in between pitches. Because there are times in which I notice how long it takes and I press a skip button where I don't want to miss a pitch, obviously, but I want to miss the downtime. And so for years, me and my dad, because my dad's big on the DVR as well, would text each other comments on every pitcher that we know takes their sweet-ass time. And my dad would even joke, I got a 30-second skip button. I have to hit the 30-second skip button twice for certain pitchers. And I'll name you one guy that was brought up a lot, and that guy was J. Riz Familia. J. Riz Familia was a freaking human rain delay. So for years, this is one off-base stat that me and my dad were interested in, which is how long does it take for certain guys in between pitches on average? And I found out a year ago that they actually keep that stat, that that stat exists. I don't have to sit there with my remote control and then write it out. Like, ah, 17.8 seconds for Steven Matz, but Familia, 47.2. is actually a stat on fan graphs in which they keep the average time in between pitches. And when I started looking at that, it was just more for my own interest. But now it means something because MLB has implemented a pitch clock. Here are the rules for the pitch clocks. I'm not sure if anyone really knows it yet. Like, Pete, do you know what the pitch clock rule is? Do you know the time on the pitch clock? All right, so I'm going to take a guess because they've had a a clock running for quite some time now. I think it's 20 seconds. So, no. And and by the way, (laughs) (laughs) so off. No, you're not, you're not so, I mean, you're only so off if you add it up over the course of 300 pitches in a game, then it adds up, but the clock that they've had at ballparks has meant nothing. 
Okay, it was there almost as a, hey, get ready for this meaning something someday, but right now it doesn't. The only time it would ever mean anything is for us as fans to know during a half-inning break how long before the inning was going to start. So it would flash up, hey, two and a half minutes. And so as you're walking back from the bathroom, you could see, oh, there's 15 seconds left. I guess the inning's about to start. But in the midst of a game, that clock meant absolutely nothing. And the reason I heard it was there was to literally get the players ready for the fact that someday there's going to be a clock there that actually matters, believe it or not. So so here's the official rule. And if the rule is broken, uh, my understanding is the umpire could say, okay, that's a ball. And the same thing for hitters. Hitters also need to be in the batter's box. But for the sake of this discussion, in the impact of the pitchers, when there's nobody on base, the rule is 15 seconds. 15 seconds. That's why when you say 20, are you close? I mean, five seconds isn't a big deal. But over the course of a lot of pitches, it is a big deal. You know, you, you do the math. How many pitches are there in a, in a baseball game? Figure there's about 300 pitches in a baseball game. Well, five seconds on each pitch. That adds up. So it's a 15-second rule when there's nobody on base. And then there's a 20-second rule when there are guys on bases. Guys in Major League Baseball, and I got the stats so that you could kind of put this in your head and realize that this is going to be really interesting. Guys would never throw their baseball in 15 seconds or less. Like, it was a rarity. So much so that there are 399 pitchers in Major League Baseball that register in terms of this pace of play stat. 399 pitchers. Only 23 of them averaged less than 15 seconds per pitch with nobody on base. 23 of them. And there are 400 pitchers in baseball. So that means there are only 23 guys in Major League Baseball who could honestly say, this rule doesn't impact me. I throw in less than 15 seconds anyway. Now, Pete, I got a question for you. Okay. One of those 23 guys, one of those 23 pitchers who averaged throwing a pitch with nobody on base in under 15 seconds is actually on the New York Mets. Who is it? Max Scherzer. It's a great guess, but it's not Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer would, on average, throw a baseball with nobody on base 16.6 seconds. That's a violation, Max. (laughs) Max, I'm sorry, bro. Violation. You're off by 1.6 seconds. Max Scherzer, by the way, ranked 100th of the 400 pitchers. So he was still in the top quarter of major league pitchers in terms of pace of play, but still not not quick enough. Sorry. It's not Max Scherzer. You want one more guess or do you want me to just tell you? Uh, I'm going to say Edwin Diaz. That's a very good guess. Edwin Diaz was a very fast-throwing pitcher. But he averaged 17.6 seconds, which is 2.6 seconds (laughs) off of the pace that we need. Edwin Diaz ranked 172nd in baseball amongst the 400 pitchers. So he's a little bit in the top half. The guy I'm referring to who averaged 14.8 seconds, so two-tenths of a second better than the 15-second rule and ranked 18th in all of Major League Baseball is, of course, David Peterson. Oh, my God. 
You love him so what? much. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe you know why now. Because <laughs> he pitches fast. Because he gets that freaking ball and he throws it. So only 23 pitchers would have no problem with this rule. So when someone asks me or you ask someone else, hey, how do you think the pitch clock's going to affect guys with nobody on base? You would think guys would adjust, but there's a lot of guys who have to make an adjustment. The thing with nobody on base you would think would be easier to adjust. The question is going to be how do guys react when there is a guy on base? So let me give you some numbers there. Oh, go, 20- real, real quick, just go yeah. back just because I want to step with the Peter, Peter thing. Where does he rank and who's number one? So the number one guy, oh my God, I saw it on the list. I completely forgot. You didn't um, write it down. <laughs> Out of that? I didn't, I didn't write that one down. <laughs> you have the who ranks 140th on the list, but you don't have the number one. No, but I remember who ranks last. You want to know who ranks last? Uh, Steve Draxel. It's called, It's somebody who pitches in New York, just not on the Mets. Uh, Nestor Cortez. No, he would be the opposite of that. Come on. Well, he's so weird with his delivery, though. Doesn't he uh, like to the, mess around? The guy's Jonathan Lewisega. Ah, Jonathan uh, Lewisega is the slowest working, <laughs> the slowest working <laughs> pitcher in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's crazy. It's cra- I, I honestly, I forgot. It but was, but, but did, Peterson was in the top 20. He was one of the 23 pitchers, but you don't remember where he was in those rankings. Though. No, no, he was 14th. He's 14th, okay. I'm sorry, 18th, 18th. Okay. Hey, let's, that's impressive. Compared to all those hundreds of pitchers, that's good. Justin Verlander was actually close to the bottom. He ranked 299th. He averaged 20.1 seconds. Adam Adovino ranked 341st at 21.1 seconds. And Tyler McGill was 345th at 21.3 seconds. But I really think that with the nobody on base thing, it shouldn't be that difficult. I don't think the adjustment with nobody on base is going to be as difficult as the adjustment with guys on base. And the guys on base rule is 20 seconds. The average major league pitcher would throw the ball when there was a guy on base in 23.3 seconds. So very similar. This is a little bit over three seconds above the new rule. There were only 13 guys in Major League Baseball who, on average, threw the baseball with a guy on base in less than 20 seconds. Only 13. With nobody on base, there were 23 guys. With guys on base, there were only 13. That means just about every single pitcher in Major League Baseball is going to have to deal with something that they're not used to. Because, again, if you're throwing the ball in less than 20 seconds... And there's a new 22nd rule, no big deal. And the Mets happen to have a guy who not only threw the baseball on average in less than 20 seconds with guys on base, but really blew it away. Like he was doing it in no time. And and you were right on, Pete, earlier with a guy you were thinking about because this guy with guys on base actually works faster, which is crazy. And that guy is Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz, and, and this was noticeable, and I'm sure as a Met fan, as, as you hear this, you're maybe shaking your head because it was noticeable. Edwin Diaz would get the freaking baseball with a guy on base, and he would go. Like He did not wait around at all. And what I find so odd about him is that Edwin Diaz threw the baseball in 17.6 seconds. Again, the new rule is 20 seconds, so Edwin's got this beat by a lot. That's the exact same amount of time as Edwin would throw the baseball with nobody on base. And there's no pitcher who does that, by the way. 
Like every pitcher slows down when there's a guy on base. Edwin Diaz has the exact same time. And last year that worked for him. He ranked 11th in all of Major League Baseball in terms of quickly throwing the baseball home with a guy on base. So Edwin Diaz, you know, based on these two new rules or the one new rule, but with guys on base and nobody on base, he's the one guy that should not be affected in any way. So I have a question because and now this is a deep dive. I don't know if you want to go into it. Maybe for the next episode, you'll have this. Last year, he was so dominant. And I think he was in a really good rhythm, which is why I think he just got rid of the ball. Even when there were people on base, he just got rid of the ball quicker when that happened, and he was so confident. I want to go maybe even just a year before that, or especially 2019 when it was struggled. Curious to see what it was then. With Yeah, like did he he change that? Is that something he did differently last year as compared to years past? That's an interesting question. If that was something that actually benefited him because it makes sense you know the one thing i've i've never been able to prove this with stats now you got stats for everything as you can hear with something like this from Fangraphs. but back in the day i used to always think that the best pitchers were the ones who worked at the fastest pace it was just a a feeling that we all had Uh, every elite pitcher would get the ball he'd throw it home and that would be it there wouldn't be that much waiting around and stepping off and bsing And again, that's not a scientific thing. I'm sure there were some great pitchers that took all day. Look, I'll give you an example right now. Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander is a slow worker. The numbers prove it. Whether there's guys on base, whether there's nobody on base, I'm looking at the numbers. 20.1 seconds with nobody on base, ranked 299 among 400 pitchers, and 24 seconds with guys on base, and ranked 244th amongst pitchers. So... Verlander's an all-time great. He obviously hasn't worked at a fast pace, but it's an interesting question about Edwin Diaz. I I am concerned about Kode Senga because there is a parallel. Every single Japanese pitcher When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply works at an incredibly slow pace. So it must be something that was taught overseas and taught in Japan because Daisuke Matsuzaka back in the day was the slowest working pitcher. You Darvish today, slowest working pitcher. Shohei Otani, slowest working pitcher. It's not an anomaly. It's not a stereotype. It's a fact. It just is. Japanese pitchers work at an incredibly slow pace. Uh, probably because of something that just happens over there in Japan. Maybe that's just the way guys are taught when they're growing up. Take your time. There's no rush. Think about what you're about to throw. Get the right grip. Get set. There's no rush. We can be here all day. Well, in Major League Baseball in 2023, you can't be here all day. The, The other aspect of this is the fact that you are only allowed what they're calling two disengagements with a guy on base. And what that means is, Pitchers are limited to two disengagements which qualify as pickoff attempts or step-offs per plate appearance. This is a complicated one. 
and there's no stat here for this. It's more just thinking logically. If you're the kind of guy that likes to kill time by throwing over to first base, you can only do it twice. If you throw over a third time and you don't get the guy out, it's considered a balk. So the odds of you throwing over a third time are very, very low. It also leads to the idea that the base runner, after a guy has either stepped off or picked off numerous times, is going to take a bigger leap because they know, hey, this guy can't throw over. And if he does, I get second base anyway. That's a that's a weird one, man. I think that's the weirdest part of this pitch clock thing. The pitch clock thing is, okay, get the ball, throw it home, let's go. But the fact that there's a limit on how many times you could throw over to first base or step off, that's a tricky one. That that I think is going to be turned over eventually. I think they're going to have to rework that one. Not that saying it's going to be gone, but they're going to have to do adjustments to that because you're right. I mean, eventually, two throws over, you have to be overly confident that you have him. And that never – how often do people get picked off? Rarely ever. I mean, with the amount of throws to first base, how often do they pick somebody off? Well, part of this is connected to the bigger bases, which we'll get into in another pod. The reason they – expanded the sizes of bases one is for player safety and the other thing is to try to kind of get the run game going to bring back stolen bases to major league baseball sabermetrics in a way has killed it because they don't think it's worth trying to steal a base that it's not good baseball so by increasing the size of the base you're also decreasing the amount of space there is between first and second base and now combine that with the fact that the pitcher can only throw over two times, you should see an explosion or at least an increase. Maybe explosion is too strong in guys trying to steal second base. And we'll examine that on a later pod if that benefits or hurts the Mets with the catching that they have and the speed that they have. But that's also going to be an adjustment because I don't have a stat on how many times a guy steps off or how many times a guy uh, picks off, uh, tries to pick off a guy at first base. But I would think that sometimes guys do that, not necessarily because they're trying to pick a guy off, but because, hey, they're just kind of killing time. Like, ah, I don't want to pitch. I'm going to throw to first base, think about it more, maybe kind of get the the pace of the hitter out of whack a little bit. Maybe the hitter wants to, to get up there and hit, and you're continuing to pick a guy off first base. Maybe it slows the game down a little bit. I'm sure there are various strategies for why pitchers do it. So it's not only get the ball and throw it, but it's also – two disengagements per batter based on who's in the Met rotation. It's tough to say, because I think Max Scherzer, despite being a guy who needs to speed up to fit the 15 second rule and speed up to fit the 20 second rule. I look at Scherzer, I look at Verlander and I figure they'll make the adjustment. These guys are veterans. If anything, that may be the benefit of having older guys on your staff that, yeah, even though they're used to no pitch clock, you would think they're also used to adjusting and they're used to kind of figuring it out. Carlos Carrasco, same thing. Jose Quintana, same thing. Edwin Diaz seems perfectly cool with this new system based on how quickly he works. And the Kodai Senga thing, look, it's a part of the adjustment. He's going to have to make a lot of adjustments to American Major League Baseball right out of the gate, and one of which is going to be the pitch clock. So I don't know, and I don't think there's any way to say hey, this hurts the Mets or this benefits the Mets. I don't think there's an answer to that. But it's something that everybody's going to have to deal with this year. And I don't know about you, Pete. 
I think it's just good for baseball. I think it's really good because these games over the last few years take way too long. And I'm not saying that as somebody that wants to go home. I'm saying that as somebody that watched baseball growing up and the game was quicker because the pace was quicker. So, I, you know, I, it's debatable, and I don't, I'm going to argue with on that. Because on the fact that, yeah, you want the game to go quicker, I get that. But there's certain things, there's certain times in the game, the intensity of the situation is now going to be sped up. And I hate that. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, not every game is supposed to be like, okay, stop and start, stop and start. You know, here now we let's go talk to the pitcher again and let's, let's throw over to the first base. Okay, like I get that. That does lengthen it out. But there's moments like now, the reason why I love baseball so much is it, it reminds me of a real-life chess match. And, and and that, to me, is is taking away from it because you're right. A pitcher thinking about, I'm going to mess with this batter right now. I'm going to make him sit here and wait a little bit extra and get – under his skin. Let me control the situation. You're controlled by a clock. You're controlled by how many times you can throw over. And it does speed it up, but it takes away those mind games. And I love those mind games at times. If you think back to every exciting ninth inning Edwin Diaz pitched last year, was anything taken away from it? Not that I recall. No, I think it was pretty, they were pretty good. Yeah, because Edwin Diaz got the effing ball and he threw it home. There was no waiting around. You know, Jay Riz Familia took an hour and a half. Did that was that more exciting? Like, was it better because we got forty five seconds between strike one and ball one in, in a playoff situation? The intensity and, and like someone like just taking a step off the mound and you're just like on pins and needles. Yeah, it kind of creates a bigger feel. I disagree, man. I really do. I, I, I love that there's no clock in baseball, but I think this is a clock that's necessary, if that makes any sense. I, it's Now, here's the thing is, I don't disagree for everything because you're right. Like, it speeds up the game. Let's let's get to that part. Let's get to the bigger parts of the game. It's almost like, though, in extra innings in a, in a playoff game, you're not going to have a runner on second base. You're you're not doing that because it's the playoffs. It's a bigger game. Bigger. So you want to take the pitch clock higher. away. You want to take the pitch clock away for the playoffs. Is that what you're saying? Maybe the ninth inning. <laughs> I think you're nuts. Yeah. Like I I give you an example. I don't know if this is a good example. In the NBA, the final two minutes of a close game can be really really exciting. But the one thing that's always driven me nuts is the amount of timeouts. And the fact that up, timeout, possession, timeout, possession, timeout. And the whole joke is the final two minutes of an NBA game take 35 minutes. I got to I hate that about the NBA. I do. That's why I've always been intrigued by the idea of that. What's that rule? I, f- I forget what they call it. The, um, they try it in the All-Star game where there's a target number to hit as opposed to having a clock just run out where it could take 35 minutes to play the last two minutes. You could have the drama of a target score. So, yeah, there's drama during the timeout. Like, oh, what play is going to be drawn up? Is the defense going to be able to make a play? There's drama, but I don't need five minutes of downtime to build up the drama. No, you know, when a, when a pitcher gets the baseball and it's a 2-2 pitch and the bases are loaded, I don't need five minutes to think about. He's got the <laughs> ball. Let's go. Let's yeah, see what but, happens. But, dude, think about the biggest situations in the past few years of sports moments and stuff like that, where you're literally sitting there with your hands on your head, intense intensity, intense moments. Yes. If everything is slowed down, like, 
it kind of just makes it that more intense, and which is why sports are so great. Like that, that's what I love. I I do like things being slowed down a little bit. Now nah, you're right. Is it is it too much? Is it too? I can't stand the NBA because of that. But on the other hand, if the Nets are in the 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 finals, game seven, and there's 30 seconds left on the clock, and it's a one score game, and there's still maybe 10 possessions left because they can foul and do whatever it is and whatever, extend the game, it just builds that final play. You know, Pete, if the Mets are in Game 7 of the World Series or the (laughs) Nets are in Game 7 of the NBA Finals, it doesn't matter. We're going to be excited and nervous and freaking out. It, of course, of course, of course, we're going to be on the edge of our. We're going to be on the edge of our seat no matter what. I, I, I think the pitch clock does a lot more good than bad. I do because growing up watching baseball, games took two and a half hours. Now they take three hours. You got to ask yourself why. What's the difference? Is it because there are more strikeouts and more walks? Is it as simple as that? Because there's more pitches in a game, or is it also because? Guys take more time in between pitches. And all you've got to do, and I saw this during the pandemic, is go back and watch old games. And baseball was great back in the day. It's not like it's gotten better or worse, in my opinion. Baseball's baseball. But this aspect of baseball has gotten worse. It takes longer in between pitches. That's got to stop. Like, I'm not going to legislate necessarily that guys strike out more or there are more walks or there's more strategy of taking pitches. That's baseball. It is what it is. There's going to be more pitches in a the game. There's obviously more pitching changes in a game now. But there really shouldn't be 40 seconds between pitches. And I've seen it abused over the years. I saw it with Jairus Familia. Uh, it was crazy. I'm telling you, you think I'm, you think I'm exaggerating. There's going to be a 25-second rule. I've seen this guy take 50 to 55 seconds in between pitches. That's absurd. I feel like there was a highlight video that somebody did, like a seven-minute video of like somebody. And it might have been familiar, and he threw like six pitches in like seven minutes. It yes. was it was ridiculous. And, yes. And, and by the way, I did the math because uh, I guessed twenty seconds per pitch. And if you say three hundred pitches, um, three hundred pitches in a game. If you shave that five seconds to make it twenty seconds, if you make it that long, it would be add another twenty-five minutes to the game. Wow. For, for adding five seconds per pitch you from see? 15 to 20. So I do get that, yes. That's significant. Uh, it's, it's, it pretty long. <laughs> it's pretty so long. Look, there's two aspects. There's, hey, do you like this for baseball as a baseball fan? And then there's the aspect of, oh, does it help my team? Does it screw my team? Does it help my team? I think that the more veteran you are, I think the easier it would be to make adjustments, which may be the opposite of some people viewing it. They may say, hey, they're, they've got the old habits, so they're tougher to break. But I think when you've been around so long, you've made so many other adjustments that the adjustment of a pitch clock shouldn't be that difficult. But I'm intrigued to see it this year. And what, really did, you, what did you say the penalty was? Like You said that it was a, there was a, a bulk initiated if it, you threw more than two times and you didn't get the runner out. What was it if you, pa- you went past 15 seconds? They'll call the ball. They'll call the ball. Oh They'll boy. call a ball. More walks. Right. Well, it's not going to. It's never good. Here's what I would predict. Familia's going to walk every single batter. <laughs> Early in the season, there are going to be guys who get, yep, yep, that's a ball. I think by the middle of April, it'll never happen. Because guys are going to know. Guys, are, There's going to be a clock. You're going to see it. And maybe even spring training will help it out too. You know, getting that called a lot in spring training and guys realizing, oh crap, they're really calling this. This is not, you know, some kind of friendly warning. 
<laughs> They're really going to call a ball. This is going to get so bad because you know what's going to happen? People are going to start wearing shock collars at like 19 seconds. But like I, if I or, or 14 seconds, like I got to get the ball off before I get shocked. It's going to yeah. it's going to start getting too too crazy. Look at this, the Houston Astros of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> they were ahead any, of it. Indeed. Any thoughts or any questions, you can always email the pod at the B at gmail.com. As we do uh, more pods as we get closer to spring training, we'll examine more of these rules and how it affects the Mets and Major League Baseball. Uh, we mentioned briefly the bigger bases and obviously the shift, which has us all trying to predict which batter's batting average is going to go up a lot. Who's going to be negatively affected by the shift? What pitcher will be negatively affected by the shift? We'll try to examine that as the weeks go on. And hopefully there'll be a Rico Brunia soon where we can examine the final verdict on Carlos Correa. Either he's a Met or we've got to move on. But we appreciate you listening. You can listen to me and Craig Monday through Friday, 2 o'clock. Pete producing Tiki and Tierney at 10 a.m. on WFAN. Thank you for listening to Rico Brunia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.